With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. I am your host, Dave Davis, coming to you from a, a dark and pretty cold Edinburgh on a windswept Monday night, and it is your usual red alert pod. So we're looking back on March. It's the usual twosome, so it's me and Mark. Mark, how are we? I'm well, mate. Glad to be here. Looking forward good to digesting another month as a red. Yeah, I know it's probably putting years on us, but that is a different story altogether. So, yeah, we'll be looking at the normal people. So we're looking at March, all that entailed, all four fixtures of Wolves, the United game, Bournemouth and Real away. We'll be talking about the players, who shone, who didn't, who's like dimmed as well, possibly for certain people. And then just round the corner now, April, and what a month it promises to be with City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Leeds, Forest, West Ham and Spurs to either visit or be visited. So we've got a lot to talk about. I mean, it's weird this one, Mark, because it was literally only four games after that and Fulham game got postponed in all honesty. So it doesn't seem like a lot of games, but it just felt like a hell of a lot happened in March. Maybe that's just me, I don't know, but... We look back, we look at the, the Wolves win, the United win, the Bournemouth loss, the Real loss. And then we finish that almost Real game thinking, Christ, it's 17 days till the City match at the start of April. I mean, say, not many games, but it just felt like a hell of a lot happened, a lot of emotions as well. <laughs> when you look back at that month, <laughs> the, the, it's, be honest. It's, it's funny you say like a lot happened. It did feel like a lot was happening, but it's been so long ago now that it's... Uh, it's hard to remember just all that happened. I think no. you know, it's already been a couple of weeks since we played and we're not even out of March yet. Um, yeah. I mean, when, when you go back over the month, generally it's, it's, it feels like the same story we've been saying for months in a row, which is just another mixed month, another month where there were some big old highs, some yeah. lows, and everything in between, really. We started with Wolves. We, we had, uh, you know, what looked like it might be another one of those frustrating nights. Harvey should have scored. Nunes yeah. did score and it was disallowed for a Jota foul. VVD takes two goals to get his goal. And then Salah finally kind of puts us out our misery. Um, and then 
kind of you're going into the United game there, which was for me the big one of the month. Thinking just win this one, we're probably already out of Europe, and then Bournemouth hopefully takes care of itself. The United game comes along, and it was uh, it was well, it was a little bit more than uh, what we'd hoped for. If we're honest, yeah. I think if you remember back to the last pod, you and I both called that one a draw. Yeah, we, we did. Uh, pretty glad to be wrong about that one, and. <laughs> Is I mean, it was one of those ones, the United game. You and I, again, were lucky enough to be at it that you just, you never forget that sort of a game. You know, it's one of those, yeah. like, proper out-the-top drawer games that just, I mean, if you'd written a little script for it, it wouldn't have been as good as, as what we got. Definitely. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, yeah, it just, you know, a little bit on the United game, we had those two incredible Gakpo goals, which were, for me, like a little bit of a his moment, his first sort of big bang, the first time we really think, God, this this is what we bought kind of thing. Yeah. You know, Salah got a couple and then right right at the end, the 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 bit that these are the bits in football that I just love where something happens that like you really just dream will happen. You know, that that absolute perfect moment. And in this game it was Bobby coming on just after announcing that he wasn't gonna stay with us. And he gets that extra special last goal, the seventh goal. And it was just that kind of proper icing and cherry on the cake together. That, yeah. You know, just again, one of those moments you just won't forget as a, as a fan being there and sort of just drinking it. And it was just unbelievable. It really was. It's right up there with my favourite ever games at Anfield. I don't know about you. Yeah, easy. No doubts at all. Yeah, so so hard to top that, it really is. I mean, you'd have to go to like one of the biggest European nights to to beat something like that. And uh, then we follow that up with uh, another one of our favourite 12.30 games, which, <laughs> as usual, went, well, went the way that all the 12.30 games go. We didn't win. It was another one of those painful games where it just felt like Liverpool could play all day, you know, and not find the breakthrough, kind of culminating most in Salah's penalty Miss, which for me kind of summed up the helpless nature of uh, of that game and all those kind of games, those horrible away kit games, those horrible early games. They're just they're becoming something that you dread rather than look forward to the yeah. events. And uh, yeah, and then then we go into the the last one of the the month, just four games, like you said, and it's uh, it's Madrid, and didn't really have any expectations of it. It kind of went similarly to how I would have seen it going. It, I thought we were reasonably spirited. We didn't, uh, we didn't wow anyone. We didn't really cause them enough trouble, if we're honest. But we were kind of dogged. You know, there was a little bit of spirit there. Mm. But Allison was absolutely incredible in that one. And uh, you know, despite playing with the four forwards, we end up coming away defeated again and, and out of Europe. So. Again, like I said, a mixed month, one of the highest highs you, you'll ever get as as a Liverpool fan, but also an inexplicably bad game at Bournemouth when we really needed the points and, and you know, disappointed to see us fall out of Europe. How do yeah. you see it? it? It's just weird. It, it's the start and the middle were great. I mean, even Wolves, let's be honest, we'd said just a professional just get a win. We don't care how we play. Just get a win against Wolves. And, you know, a solid 2-0, like you said, even Darwin has one disallowed. You know, he should have had an assist if Harvey just buries that header like he shouldn't do. It's what I call a professional performance. Now, it was good to see us, you know, 
put one of those two nil style home wins in, more than happy. Absolutely, get- it's those ones that like if we ticked enough of those off, that would be enough yeah. to see us through to top four. You know, that would get us there. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's one of them like performance is kind of irrelevant. Two nil, get the win, move on, job done. That that was I was happy with that, and then. Here's probably why you shouldn't listen one bit to us people because we predicted a draw for United. And what a game, basically. <laughs> what a game. If ever you shouldn't listen to us. I mean, the one thing I still think, even now, even if it flashes up on my timeline, probably like you for the first few days afterwards, I was just like, any bit of content I can get around oh that my game, God. just inject it into my eyeballs type of things just yeah. you know, everything ev- it, it literally was one of those you know like I subscribed to all the kind of classic football pods the generic ones you know like the Guardian pod and all these different ones yeah. the athletic pod and generally I'll listen to one of those you know whichever one I happen to stumble upon first after the weekend's games but this was one of those where like I listened to absolutely everything, everything Anfield Index had to do, everything all of these Liverpool pods had to do and all of the generic ones. I watched every highlight and, you know, there was it was one of those ones where you were seeing uh, the goal from like 42 ridiculous angles, you know, each oh. goal. You just sat there and watched every single one of them. Every single like little different angle of it, every little inch difference didn't matter. I wanted to see it. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It's insane that that game just, it kind of made me think the other day, like just because of the way the season's gone, how much Liverpool content I've almost steered away from, especially match highlights. I must have watched Gary Neville throw his toys out the press about 46 (laughs) times. Do you know what I mean? After that game, just like, just repeat, this is just brilliant. I mean, literally, it sounds weird, but the worst thing about that, and obviously this isn't playing a Nostradamus, but I was thinking at some point, like, it can't get any better than this. Probably we don't want another game just to lose this feeling type of thing. Totally, yeah, totally. Such a high, such a high. And then... Bournemouth and I'm thinking no they've beaten United 7-0 you know like you said Gapo, Nunes Salah was insane they're all flying you know and all the excuses are there as we said the 12-30 that fucking Joseph and his wank technical dream coat kit and all that type of thing all the excuses are there and I'm just thinking no come on, they're going to be on it. Even Klopp talked before, like, now we've got to follow it up. I'm like, yes, right, message you again. And Christ almighty, it was just, it's, you just put it in that category with like the Forest game, wasn't it? You know, all yeah. those types of ones. All of them, yeah. Just, we've unfortunately got a whole package of them now that we've we've collected of these garbage early away games. We just are, 
I mean, to think that United game and that Bournemouth game came one after the other is just, oh, it's, it's unbelievable that we can go from that to that, you know? Yeah, and and I'll be honest, even when I look back at this, I was thinking, you, you can look at it a couple of ways. It's like, yes, we, we win a penalty, you know, Jota has an impact, VVD should bury a couple of headers on another day. So it's not like we didn't have chances where other games we've probably not. But I think like... Like you said, and Klopp was honest afterwards, Bournemouth deserved it. They yeah. were just awful. Even like, I mean, I was happy with the subs for once at one stage. I was like, when Jota came on for Harvey at half-time, I was thinking, brilliant, he's going for it. You know, he's four, four up top, you know, four, two, three, one type of thing, and he's really going for it. And th- I just thought, honestly, they had the urgency of a tea bag. some of them. It just wasn't there at all. And... The other thing that I would really say about that, and it was the first time, especially after the United game in the month, I was just a bit pissed off, you know, with like the team again, really angry, yeah. especially like I watched the replay of that first goal and I'm angry at him because we know the ability that he has, but Van Dyke was shocking for that goal for me. Absolutely shocking. So I still get angry a little bit watching that. So I've just always steered away from that before I'd be on this part. And then, like you said, it's the last game of the month. It's Real. After Bournemouth, we had pretty much zero expectations. We Well, the only hope we had, because you can't call it expectation, is don't get embarrassed in the burnabout. You know, it's still a prestigious occasion. It's a big team, still show something. And we were hoping for some shield banging in the first little five, ten minutes, we started quite lively, especially Salah. Salah was getting at that Nacho down that side quite a bit. And I thought, if we just get an, you know, typical Liverpool style over expectation, if we just get that first goal, maybe. And it just never came. It yeah. just never came. And it but kind of. The one for died. us has been spoiled, you know, with these sort of results over the years that you even imagine you can. The truth is, you can't. You know, that stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. It really doesn't. You're mental to even think it can. It's, it's only because we have that we still do. Uh, and also, yeah. I think your Salah point was a good one. I, I thought he was like the catalyst for us early on. It almost felt to me like at some stage he decided, right, nobody else fancies this. I'm yes. just uh, I'm gonna take it down a level, you know. We're I've tried, I've I've been zinging it off people. I'm going at them, and nobody else seems to be meeting me up here. I thought that as well. I thought he just looked around and thought, "There's you know three quarters, if you know not more of this team seem to be jibbing it a little bit." I mean, it, it kind of just turned, and all of a sudden, it, I'm not saying we gave up, but we almost just stopped playing. And let's be honest, bar an absolute Allison masterclass, and I mean a masterclass of, you know, shot-stopping and goalkeeping, we are leaving the burnabout, you know, well and truly beaten. So it's, it's respectful one defeat, but it's it's Real Madrid not getting out of second gear. Really you know one thing I would say, though, and it isn't something you see very often, is the, the, the two-legged affair against Madrid, I don't actually come out with it as disappointed as you'd think. My honest opinion is just that they were pretty magnificent over the two for me. Some of the passing, and they basically just showed us exactly where we are not, if you will. They showed us, you know, what it takes to be at that top level. And we've been at that top level, you know, for most of our time under Klopp. But that was, you know, it wasn't like the Bournemouth game where we're at fall. It wasn't like the Palace game where we didn't do enough. It's... For me, just that we aren't at that level, plain and simple. We don't have that level. 
you know, that's where we aspire to go back to that. It's, it's a lesson, if, if nothing else. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point. It's, it's almost hard to get so mad when the difference in class is just so obvious. I mean, even if they, you know, they, they've given it absolutely everything, which I didn't think they did because I think everyone kind of settled for the result as yeah, time went on. But even if they've given it everything, have we got the class to turn over Real Madrid and learn about? It's a simple no right now, isn't it? So, yeah, that probably it was a it was disappointing, but it wasn't the uh, the angry result of the month. So, yeah, totally agree. Weird how four fixtures can just make you just that roller coaster of change. But welcome to Liverpool, isn't it? One of them. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, this this is an easy one. This is an absolutely and give me question probably for the night. The highlight of the month, just anything <laughs> and everything. United, surely. Yeah, it's the Wolves game for me. I don't know about you, but it's definitely... <laughs> I think it was too easy a one to say the United game. So what I've gone for is the Bobby goal in the United game. Why? I think the United game was so special. Just to put it under one heading is like too easy, too simple. I think you have to go like more specific because there were so many amazing bits in that game. Like the Gakpo opener for me was just huge. You know, just think... Yeah. A brilliant the way he cut in and just bent that in like that. It was so like I am here, let's go kind of thing. It looked like Thierry Henry kind of in his plum buddy in that round, sort yeah. of bent it around the goalie like that. But all in all, when all was said and done, the kind of most beautiful memory of it all for me has to be Bobby, you know, and how much he loved it, how much the crowd loved it. You know, the the singing of his name that came after the goal was just again one of those like won't ever forget it moments and. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not nice, nice to kind of think of Klopp's time as something in the past. And, you know, I, I really do hope we get back up there. But if, if anything, when all is said and done, is going to sum up Klopp and his time at Liverpool. For me, it's Bobby. It's, it's He's been kind of, he was there before him right through it and uh, kind of epitomised a lot of the good stuff that, we ha- that we've been, you know, that we've done. So I just loved, I mean, loved that moment where he scored. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Even, even when he was coming on, I mean, it was a great atmosphere anyway. And was, there was still that, like, we're in the cop and we're thinking, we're pinching ourselves here, like, what's going on? But then Bobby's coming on, you know, only 10 minutes or so to go. His song goes up, it's brilliant. And then you're thinking, like you said, like, we're being greedy here, we're being greedy. But even if one just bounces off his arse and goes in type of thing, that'd be brilliant. Absolutely. But the best thing is, like you said, it was a cracking goal as well. It was yeah. like a cracking little move, turn, slot, and literally... When he was taking the shot, it didn't look possible. You know, It looked like it was too yeah. tight, too acute, can't get it from there. But literally, like, that moment, like you said, that explosion, limbs everywhere, like, it, it was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, I even liked the bit that Klopp didn't give us the fist pumps at the end of United. Like, yeah, a, yeah. nah, nah, there's bigger fish. You know, I even love that as in, nah, there's biggest fish to fry. It's only these boys type of thing. Love yeah, that as well. Proper teased us, didn't they? Proper, like, like yeah. It, it was just brilliant. But you're right, that the highlight has to be with the week it was for the Bobby News, what it meant. <laughs> the only sad thing is when you talk about it, it probably leads on to our next bit of, 
what was the lowest moment of the month. <laughs> Just a natural leading, unfortunately. But go on, what did you have as the lowest moment? Uh, so I've, I've kind of done the same thing again because Bournemouth is obviously the, the low point of the month. I'm going to be more specific and pick a moment from the Bournemouth game. And it's, it's kind of got to be the obvious one, really. It's the Salah penalty miss because it just kind of, it summed it up for me. You know, we were looking just like we could play for hours and hours and not score. And then we get our glorious top goal scorer who can do no wrong, gets a penalty. You know, the sure, this is it. You know, this is it. We're going to score. Yeah. We're finally going to get it. And he didn't just miss it either. You know, he really missed it. It was a, it was a stinker of a penalty. And uh, yeah, that just it summed up the game, summed up the feeling, summed up those twelve thirty kickoffs, summed up those away games that we seem to just be struggling with timing again at the moment, and and summed up to a degree our season. Yeah, it's it's not quite as many. It's not the exact opposite. But if you look at all the things you are happy with at United, you make a catalogue of things you. Not happy with, let's say, a Bournemouth, but some of them just damn right angry as well. Like the lack of effort for Van Dijk from that goal is absolutely shocking. I think even even when he pulls it back, that boy into the middle, there's three on one, isn't there? I know Trent there maybe doesn't doesn't do the best job, you can argue, but at the same time, he's got three. Like what's going on? Yeah, from memory, Elliot was like really slow getting back there. You know. Yeah. On the edge of the box and just didn't, you know, it wasn't trying, wasn't busting a gut, didn't look like it mattered that much. Yeah, I would completely forgive you for picking their goal rather than our miss, you know, for the the worst yeah. because it was tragic. It really was. And that, and that, that was and the other it's all in that game. Don't get me wrong, but the other biggest toss up I had was I thought Van Dyke for their goal and that header that he missed. It just looked. Lazy, like he had two options: guide it in or slam it in. You know, he either I'd have understood. Yeah. And the first thing he did, if you remember, turns around to the ref, moaning about like shirt pulling. And then you see the replay, and the guy might have given him like the smallest possible of tugs, but there's absolutely zero excuse for that miss. And I just yeah. thought it was like. It typifies a bit of Van Dyke, that doesn't it? In, in the kind of yeah. the way he's fallen slightly this season, it's like the the lack of kind of taking responsibility for something that's happened. You know, looking around, kind of wanting to point the finger when it's pretty obvious to anyone watching that was just you know Van Dyke and his plum just buries that effortlessly. Yeah. What wasn't a particularly hard one, especially in the tough moments. You look to your you know, big names, your best players, because you know they've got the ability. And you think you're looking at that and thinking it's nothing to do with ability whatsoever. It's just had a bit of a stinking attitude, you know, all game really, to be honest. And then the other thing I'm thinking, this is terrible. I've got a catalogue of lowest moments I was debating, but it's true. I, I still don't get this. I, I know Trent's had a bad season. I probably have to use the word bad, I thought about it, but you, you have to for me. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I don't get, though, it makes zero sense why you need a goal, or when you need a goal, sorry, why take Trent off for Milner? Milner yeah. is the substitution when you want to solidify it. It's always why we said we renew him, because he's that game management in the last 25 minutes, ideally. You know, when it's maybe they've got a goal back and it's 2-1, 
Milner on, solidify it, shut it out, or even 2-0, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Particularly because Trent is such an offensive right-back. You know, you can see how that would be a useful sub in some very specific situations where you are holding a lead and it's, yeah. it's getting nervy. You're just looking for someone who's going to stick out of play if they have to or just slam someone if they need to take the yellow, you know, any of those things. And Milner can, can be your guy for that, but he is not, you know, by any stretch, a right-back capable of changing a game. Yeah, exactly. And he just seems to be coming on all the time. And probably this is the story of the season when we're going down, especially away. But he seems to come on when we go down for Trent. It's like, we need a goal, Jürgen. What are we doing? You know, we're going to have to take risks. We need a goal. You've got to leave your most creative players on the pitch. So that was probably one of my sort of lowest points but yeah there's a catalogue there but just that that first goal in one game as well which is that's just how bad that game was normally you know in a month of bads you might have one or two three results that you're talking about we we can pretty much find the same amount of disappointments but all here just in one match yeah and it's it's probably got to be the first goal for me because I was happy that we started with almost the side especially at the back large that we did Ubu and VVD yeah, the two normal fullbacks. I'm thinking, good. This is a good start away from home. I like that lineup. Essentially, it was just. Yeah, I, do, I do remember, like, I was chatting to you at half time when uh, you know it'd been a dismal first half, and you know, you and I often debate like Elliot should he be in the middle? All these different things. And I remember when the the sub came at half time and Jota was coming on, we both went great. You know, right four up top against Bournemouth. Yeah, no way they're dealing with that. You know, th- this is what we need. This is we're going to damage them here, and we didn't. You know, we just didn't. It, it was just more of the same. Yeah, it, it was just disjointed. So we'll we'll just file all the lowest moments under of the month under Bournemouth, basically <laughs> a disastrous yeah. game. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just all round stank, and it's kind of left us where we are. I mean. That, that that's the team chat and we, we could go on about a lot of those points all night but it is important I think to talk about the players at the same time as well because again probably as you said it really is a mixed bag but really distinct in some ways as well that it is important to talk about I mean when you look at that player of the month for me there's one candidate but I'll be interested to get your take on it who have you got for player of the month so I do have a couple here I don't I think um I think Tower had a decent month. I mean, he got the goal in the um, in the Wolves game at the start. He scores two against United. And I thought he had 25 minutes against Madrid where he was kind of peak Salah. You know, I thought we, we got a pretty good month out of Salah despite the penalty miss, obviously, the, the major low. And I thought Gakpo's performance against United was so good that that alone kind of kept him in the running just for having had a good month. That was, a, you know, one of those special, special performances, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That second finish is just right out the top drawer. Yeah. Um, all that said, I do think Alisson is the, you, you know, the, the standout. That performance against um, Madrid was one you just don't see very often from a goal. It was one of those where, like, I know they did actually score, which is unfortunate because he didn't deserve that, but it was one of those where that could have actually ended up a really sore result, something embarrassing that we wouldn't forget for quite a time, and there's only one guy we're thanking for that, and and that's him, Allison. So he gets my my player of the month. Yeah, it's it's crazy in a way. If you stop the month halfway... 
after the United game, I mean, you think you're brilliant. There's a million candidates here, but I'm probably going for Salah just because, you know, especially in that game, you know, a couple of goals, a couple of assists, brilliant, you know, all round and got the goal against Wolves. So for me, I'm thinking at that point, it's halfway through the month, probably a foregone conclusion for this guy. But the last two games, and especially the, the penalty miss, like you said, brilliant start. I thought, he, you know, he really looked or fancied it against Real, especially Nacho, but probably, you know, died off a little bit after that, understandably, to be fair, when he looked around. Probably just takes him down sort of a, a notch. And Alisson, even in Bournemouth game, if you remember, they, I mean, Bournemouth can't finish for Toffee, so he says a lot how, you know, that we let them score. But if you remember, he had two one-on-ones that he saved as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, with, Forcing that their boy sort of you know wide into an awkward angle, so too wide for the shot. Yeah, yeah. It, and literally, it, it's almost a, sh- a shame to say this. I can't really think of another way of putting it. An almost wasted performance in the Bernabeu because he was just yeah. unbelievable the saves he made, and it almost was to absolutely no point or no avail, so to speak, bar keeping it respectable. Do you know what I mean? That the tie's gone. Yeah, I hadn't really considered it that way, but I mean, you know, if you think about it, give us that at the Etihad, you know, don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't yeah. wait it there, you know, like give us it when, or give us it when Spurs, you know, come to Anfield or something like that, you know, some, a time where it's going to be critical. Don't don't throw it on them. That, that's honestly, when I was thinking about it afterwards, like, and as you said, thinking City is like, Oh, God, I'd have been happy if he almost just chucked one in his own net against Real. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, he did do that the first time. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you just if you'd save that for, you know, the 1st of April, brilliant type of thing. But, yeah, for, for me, same as you, it's, it's almost impossible for it not to be Alisson. The, the play of the month, let's be honest, player of the season, if he doesn't swing all the awards for... Mm fans, players, player and all that. It's an absolute disgrace, let's be yeah. honest about it. The man's it's not even been... close at the minute. It's not even no. close. He's the head and shoulders player of our season. Not even close. Yeah. And what's always telling, and it is always telling, if you ever think when a goalkeeper wins player of the season, and you have to think like, when United had that season where they were absolutely pathetic and De Gea saved them from losing 10 nil every week and, you know, he stripped it. I think you know, he about year. three or four years in a row at United. Yeah. I'm sure he did. I think he won years, like, consistently. And literally the shit years for United, you know, just all the years where they were worst, De Gea was player of the season. Yeah, and that that's almost the danger. But it, not in a... Not in a negative way, because, you know, we, we've got to be honest about this season, it's full contact against the recent history, but there's always that worry when a keeper's winning player of the season. Yeah, I mean, I would be very surprised if any team has ever won the league and, and their yeah. player of the season's been the goalie, you know? Yeah, because basically, when you win the league or when you win the big tournaments, your goalie's not involved that often. What you needed to do is make the big saves at the big times, you know, those few few and far between crucial moments but listen he's bailing us out and shit every you know every 10 minutes it seems at the moment so yeah easy decision there for, for player of the month I mean this is an interesting one and I've got a few for this so we'll see what you've got based on March who do you think needs just a, a bit of a shot across their bow so to speak which uh, which players might need just a bit of a a rollicking, if that's the right phrase, in the dressing room. Who have you got for that one? 
Um, I've got a few there again. Um, I mean, most of them, truthfully, most of them. The the big one for me is Van Dyke. I think yeah. that Bournemouth performance was pretty unforgivable. That was, I've kind of fallen into the camp of defending Van Dyke. You know, he's getting a lot of criticism, and you know, we've all got mates who are United fans, and they're kind of. Yeah. Everyone's always been desperate to pull Van Dyke down because we have all gone pretty big on him being, you know, the the Messiah, the best centre-back we've ever seen up there with any Premier League centre-back, all that sort of stuff. And I genuinely do believe all of that. I think that is true. Um, but we've kind of backed ourselves into the corner where we, we're left defending him now when we all know in our heart of hearts he, he is struggling a bit. You know, he isn't at his peak. And some of the stuff he's doing is proper worrying because it's like you were saying, it's the attitude. It's not just like... It's not just a bad vein of form, similar to kind of what we've been saying about Trent. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll just throw him straight in as well, because he is also one of the ones I think just severely needs a kick up the arse. The attitude just doesn't seem right to me. It's it, it's that little bit where, like, these big centre or defenders, let's just say, in, in the prime. You know, I remember, like, some of those, like, kind of classic moments where John Terry would kind of put his head... In, when, it, when he's lying down, like into a guy trying yeah. to volley the ball into the net, you know, that that was the the level of where he was going to go to stop the ball going in the net. Or, I mean, you know, I'll think of all the years we got with Carragher. You know, yeah. not for one minute ever did I doubt that he was he was going to throw himself or do exactly what it took. You know, everything he could do, every single inch of him was going to be used to, to try and defend. And those two are not showing me that anymore. Van Dijk's never really been that sort of defender, and that's fine as long as you are playing at that level of excellence that we've kind of come to expect from him. But unfortunately, that isn't the case anymore. And now we're kind of left with this this guy who looks like he thinks he's too good to try, and and that's a what you know that's a worry. We've got to we have to find a solution to that because for me at this stage. I trust Kanati more than him. And, you know, that, that would have been an impossible thing to to imagine, you know, in the middle of last season when we were boring yeah. and firing all cylinders. So I think primarily I, I would go with those. I mean, we've we've kind of debated the the midfield guys who all need a kick up the arse. And, you know, I don't think we've solved any of those problems, particularly they're still all, all there, but I don't think any of them were maybe as bad this month or worse this month, I should say, than they have been in other months. But I think Van Dyke in particular had a really pretty sticky month there. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, that, that definitely on my list. I mean, 
I think I'm a thought similar to you. I mean, the, the midfield's been that bad this season. I mean, you, you kind of can't have them any more than they have been realistically. And at the same time, I was also thinking this month, actually, it's a month where Fabinho started to show a few shoots of recovery, if anything, yeah. which typically, again, just after we hammered him on February's pod type of thing, you probably had his two yeah. best games, you know, back to yeah. work of the season. I hoping you were just going to pretend I hadn't said we need to sell him. Definitely one that has to go. He's completely lost it. He'll never be good again. The, the, the <laughs> thing is, though, it's, yeah, I mean, even I was thinking, like, Christ, there's another one we got wrong. But at the same time, it's only two games in, you know, in yeah. the midst of a pretty poor season. But I, I was hopeful, and it's probably one of my hopes for April, going a little bit early, that, you know, we see him back to the fore, you know, give the manager something to think about that way. But yeah, like you, I wasn't really hammering the midfield that way. And I'm probably not going to try and hammer them too much because with badge out for the season, you know, you <laughs> might just need them to encourage them through as much as we can, so to speak. But yeah, they, they were my two. I've got to be honest, VVD and Trent, and the reason we go after their attitude, and quite rightly for me, let me be dead clear on this, they've got the ability there's not one doubt about their ability for me. I know like, you know, VVDs had injuries and all that type of thing, but you still see the ability in flashes. You still see it with Trent, with the assists, you know, the passing. It's, it's all there, but attitude for me defines whether you put it all together and how you perform ultimately, because you could be not having your best game, but players with their ability, if their attitude's right, they still influence the match. There's no two ways about it. And yeah, Absolutely. That VVD, just like not even bothering to, you know, to follow the, you know, showing him the byline and not even bothering basically letting him get a free crossing. There, the the shirt pulling, the that that game, I think I, I said to you at half time when we talked about him going in, if Plops, you know, being honest, and you know, there's all the talking, honestly, the first person he should be battering in the dressing room is Virgil van Dijk, calling yeah. him out. He's part of the leadership group, you know, he's got the captain's armband in. And it's the last thing, you know, a captain performance. And it was interesting, like you mentioned the player there, Carragher, because I did wonder if that had come up. I mean, had a lot to say, hasn't he, about Trent and VVD recently. And a lot of fans have gone after him, which I understand with some of the comments. But at the same time, I agree with you. I don't think Carragher would have ever been questioned for um, attitude, sorry, you know, like these two are the way, yeah, the way it is at the moment. So I, I almost think at times, it's kind of touching on what you just said, really. It's it's the fact that they have this ridiculous high level of ability. Both of them do. Yeah. They're pretty mercurial, like in in their own way, you know, in their own right. And I somehow think that that can work against you sometimes because I think you do just end up with this sort of inner belief that that does somehow take a little bit away from from the attitude, you know, this idea that you're just that good anyway. Where guys like Carragher and even you know like Terry, those sort of characters. That I mentioned before, they didn't have that like just supreme ability that you know Van Dyke's just gifted in so many ways naturally that these guys were they absolutely had to give everything. That's the reason they made it. Where Van Dyke, that that isn't the case. You know, he made it through kind of you know the gifts of his body. I know he's you know he's obviously worked really hard and whatnot, but he has got just some of these things that are, that are you know, God-given for lack of a better term. He, he's just ridiculously big and strong and fast. He seems to just naturally read the game so well. And I guess all of those kind of gifts, if you want to call them that, have meant that at times he hasn't had to smash into tackles or get dirty and a bit nitty-gritty. 
And maybe now, as he's you know he's he's getting no younger. Maybe now, as the maybe the decline begins, he's going to have to learn that bit of the game. Maybe they do have to just get a bit honest with him and you know literally put on videos of guys like Paragon or Luke. Look, Paragon wasn't the biggest guy in the league. He wasn't the strongest guy in the league. He wasn't the fastest guy in the league. But he was never found wanting for for want. He was never found like lacking attitude. You know, we need to see you, you know, adopt some of that, some of that sort yeah. of grit. Yeah, I agree. Listen, we're, we're saying this because in the great pantheon of Anfield centre-halves, and listen, there's been some incredible ones, Virgil is right up there for all the reasons you said, you know, in, in the absolute top bracket. And being honest, a level probably above Carragher for those reasons as well. But the attitude has got to be right. And fingers crossed, fingers crossed, it probably leads into April a bit that, you know, we see a bit of a change there. We, weirdly, I did have another one for um, Shot Across the Bow. And this is a bit of a strange one, actually. And, Maybe it can be explained by this cut ankle and his absence from Uruguay. But I thought Nunes, strangely, was pretty terrible against United, apart from his two goals. In fact, yeah, if you remember the United one, it was a it was a one nil at half time, and we were all saying like, "I won't be surprised if we brought Darwin off." To be honest, he looked half arsed, half interested, not doing anything. But, well, obviously, before six goals and two great headers as well, but. He just looked a bit disinterested because it was weird after the Wolves game. I mean, he had a great game against Wolves. You know, he should have had an assist for Harvey. He had a great finish disallowed. So, you know, there was there was a positive there when I'm thinking, even when he's not particularly playing well, he's getting goals. That's his job. But against Bournemouth, pretty much nothing. Right the, the, the reason I didn't put Darwin in is, and I don't have like any source or information on this, but I just get the feeling there's some lingering injury there. They're just, first of all, he was subbed off frequently earlier than expected yeah. in games where, you know, he was doing like the Bournemouth one. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He wasn't the problem. It was an odd sub, you know, and even against United, like you said, he wasn't putting himself in there the way we've been seeing him put himself in there. And there have been like the odd rumours of kind of they're watching his hamstring, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing this and that, they're trying to protect him. And I felt like he was personally only letting 90% out there, you know, just just not wanting to maybe be as explosive as we've kind of been used to seeing from him, just kind of protecting something. I mean, I, you know, that might be being extremely kind to him after, like you said, a couple of poor games, but because of everything I've seen from him so far this season, and I've been his biggest critic, as you know, one thing I've never had, you know, a bad word to say against him is in his attitude. His attitude has never been lacking. So, you know, he gets a pass ultimately from me for the for the United one because one game where, where you're not at it for whatever reason just happens, I guess, every now and again. Yeah, even to top players and probably better players than him right now. So, yeah, it is a it is a, a probably light a light finger on Darwin, so to speak. But yeah, yeah. definitely a, a few watch, more. Maybe. Yeah, definitely a few more be shining a light on their bigger players as well with a in the leadership team at the same time. So fingers crossed this all becomes redundant come April, but we'll have to keep an eye on that one. And we've mentioned him a few times for, for different things. Mm-hmm. 
how did you view the manager's performance over the months? Because we have kind of singled him out a few times there when we're chatting. So how do you see Jurgen Klopp's performance overall? Well, I mean, it's, for me, it's, like, it's hard to separate Klopp's month from the way I describe our month generally, yeah. which is mix. You know, I mean, you can't criticise Klopp for what was a pretty, as you called it, professional display against Wolves. Very little complaints there from Klopp. You can only be absolutely delighted at the United game. You know, how could you say a bad word about the manager after one of the most, you know, famous victories we'll ever have as a club? Mm. Um, and, you know, halfway through the month, I'm thinking, great, everything's everything's going well for us and for Klopp. But then the Bournemouth game in particular, the, the one we've actually touched on both already, but the hooking Nunes on whatever it was, 65 minutes, when yeah. we were really struggling for a bit of impetus, a little bit of kind of cutting edge, making something happen. For me, all season, especially since uh, Diaz's injury, Nunes has been the, the most likely to cause it. Maybe not the most likely to score or brilliant you know, in every performance, but definitely yeah. the most likely to cause it. The, the one that will break the line or... You know, just try something on his own. Go past the guy. Go in behind something. He's that. He's been that guy, and uh, to take him off in that game, find that really hard to explain. Again, if it, you know, fair enough if it's injury or whatever. But nobody said it was. In fact, quite the opposite. And if it wasn't, I just, I would really love to hear Klopp give me the kind of tactical breakdown of what his thinking was there. And then even worse than that is the one that you touched on is bringing Milner on at right back. I mean, if you look at those two subs in a game that you're, you need to win, you need to win, you yeah. know, it would not do you there. It's really, really difficult to defend what he did there. Really difficult. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I had that. I, 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 like you, I, we'll never get it, but you'd love to get in his ear about like what, what was going on with the Darwin thing. And maybe like you said, if it's just precaution, listen's got this, if, you know, even if it was something to do with that cut on the ankle or something, cool, put to bed, no issue at all. But, it, it you know, it does you just seem a bit strange. That was the case, he, he, that he would say it because... It would explain, it, you know, it would cover his back for making an yeah. odd sub. It would protect Darwin from criticism and, and, like you said, not the greatest couple of games he's had. Oh, I don't really see why there would be any secrecy there, unless the, you know, the, unless it's an injury that's going to continue to be an issue for him. And they don't want it known. They don't want anyone knowing the weakness there. You know, or trying to test it, kind of thing. See, I thought that, but do you remember like earlier in the season where we were really struggling? He had it before, didn't he, Nunes? You know, his hammy issues, let's call them that, rather than injury. And yeah. he's come out before and just, listen, we're just protecting him. And he had a few games on the bench, you know, when he came on later on, that type of thing, or was taken off early. And we were kind of like, it's not what we want, like you said, because he is, he is the captain chaos, isn't he? He makes things happen, but we understood it. Yeah. This time, though, Nothing. He's just not coming out. There was no mention of this cut at all. Was the type of thing. There's no mention of you know potential hammy that there's been rumours about as well. It's just it's just a bit odd. And like you said, if he just comes out and says it, get in the water, not an issue. We get it now. Cool. Or even just explain to us that he thought he looked tired. You know that he sees him day in day out, and he just thinks you know the reason he's not had a couple of good games there is he's just a little bit jaded, and we're just gonna. You know, we're going to watch his minutes for the next couple of games. There's a big break coming after the Madrid game and, you know, we go again then. Yeah, and we'd have taken that. All, all the all the normal platitudes you'd have thrown out about 
first season in the Premier League, the intensity, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Easy gout. Young lad, Park. played a lot of minutes. He's explosive. You yeah. know, all these things. Easy, easy. But he's just, it's just strange he's not taking that. And then the only other thing which I just find absolutely bizarre, and listen, the thing about Fabio Carvalho is, I've said to you, I'm struggling to see him making it at Anfield. That doesn't mean he's a bad player by any means. I'm just struggling to see where he fits in, where he's going to get his chance and where he's going to make it. So he's he's missed the great majority of the squads, you know, especially if you look at March, let's be honest. To bring him on in the 90th minute in the burnabout, I just thought was the most bizarrest thing. And you could almost see the lad looked a bit like, Defeated, if that makes sense. Like, what is the point in this? And I saw Klopp was smiling at him, having a word. And Carvalho was not reacting to that whatsoever. I probably don't blame him a little bit, thinking, yeah, what is the it point in this? It seemed like one of those, like, I know, it's like mean to say, but like patronizing. You know, almost seems yeah. kind of, you've not, you're not going to be here that long. Go and have a, go and have a little taste of this. You're not going to get many of these in your career. You know, go and go and, uh, go and enjoy this little five minutes. How about we run around at the Bernabeu? Yeah, exactly that. And if he was some like 17-year-old, you know, from Kirby, something like that, I'd get it. You know, he's like getting that experience, you know, something never had before. But he's not. He's supposed to be like an actual first-team option. And I just thought when I, you know, I looked at it afterwards, I thought, was that the right move? If you think you've got his buy-in, I don't really agree there. He doesn't look too happy. But listen, we you know we're not in the changing room, so to speak. So we, you know, so so to speak, we're just not simple as that. We don't know what's going on. But you know, you know, we can our dreams. yeah, exactly. But it just seemed the most bizarrest of subs. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll file Jurgen Klopp's month, similar to most of them this season, undermixed with pretty much the rest of March so far. So. A mixed march across the board. I mean, Jesus Christ, look at April, the business end of the season, and look at this run of fixtures we've got coming up. City, Chelsea, both away. Arsenal at home, Leeds away. Forest at home, West Ham away. Spurs at home. I mean, Christ, four away, three at home. And just that first week, mate, as well. City, Chelsea and Arsenal on Easter Sunday. I mean... What the hell is that about the first week in April? Absolutely <laughs> insane. It really is when you look at it. But hey, hope it's where we find ourselves right now. I mean, I'm trying to phrase this carefully when you look at it. What are your hopes and what are your expectations for April? It's probably crucial to to put the two together, thinking about realist, you know, realism that way. Yeah. What are your hopes and expectations there? I mean, like you just said, it is a mad month. You very rarely see that many of the, the, the kind of big six, if you will, coming in one month playing that many of them. And uh, yeah. we just played United as well, you know, like just two games back in the league. And it's, yeah, it's mad. Properly playing for all the marbles this time, you, you know, by the time these seven fixtures are over, I think we'll only have what, five left for the season? So, I mean, yeah. this is kind of it. This is the crunch. We're going to know by the end of this if we're if we're making top four or not. Or certainly have a, a very good idea of it. So, it's kind of, you know, do you be realistic or, or do we get a little bit optimistic here and just 
kind of believe in the team a little bit, you know, do, do we do, do we ignore the fact that we're in the middle of a terrible season? I kind of I always get this thing where uh, when we don't play for a little while, I, I somehow forget that we're terrible. I forget how bad it's been, you know, and I start getting a little bit kind of jovial and, and optimistic about the games to come. Someone put a brilliant tweet out today, and I mean this, it was a brilliant tweet, and it wasn't even about us, but they actually said the best thing that can sometimes help a player's reputation is absence. Yeah. Because you forget how shit they were when they were playing or how... No doubt about it, yeah. It's like a player's never better than when he's injured. That's just like a known thing, you know. It's always that injured guy's going to come back and fix it. And... To, to a degree, just not playing full stop has a similar effect for me. You know, you just, you kind of forget that, that you know, like, so I was watching all the highlights, um, thinking about coming on here of uh, of the month past and, you know, watching Van Dyke score his header in, uh, in the Wolves game and the amazing goals at United. And you kind of forget the the, the pain of the Bournemouth game when you're, yeah. when you're all that brilliant stuff. And you're left just kind of excited, looking forward to the next one. It's one of the kind of lovely things about being a fan, isn't it? It's like you do, even in the worst week, by the time the following week comes along, you're you're kind of looking forward to it again. You know, you're ready to ready to hurt again. <laughs> and that's uh, that's definitely where I find myself going to April, ready to hurt again. I think, aside from the kind of blind optimism, I kind of had a look at uh, what I think we'll need to to get into the top four. And, you know, we do find ourselves quite far away from it. We're yeah. off Newcastle in, in fifth. Um, and obviously we have the couple of games in hand on Spurs. I think we're seven off them with two in hand. And I think realistically, they they all have hard games too. I think out of the the seven games, we're probably going to need to win five of them, which is, you know, it's a big ask because four of those, like you said, are are big games against the, you know, the so-called top six. And I guess the the only thing in our favour is that Arsenal and Spurs are coming to Anfield. I think those are really key ones. I think to some degree the City away one has in years gone by been like kind of a throwaway one, a draw is a good result if you can get one. And I probably think the same this year. I'll take a draw right now in the City game. Mm. The Leeds, West Ham and Forest games, they just don't get any more must win than than they are. Absolutely must, must, must win. We have to get nine out of those three games and try and get two additional wins, I guess, from the the Chelsea, the City, the Arsenal and the Spurs games. And we do have, you know, Diaz is is pretty much back now. Thiago can't be too far away. I think there are some reasons to be optimistic. The guys have had a break. I can't hurt, surely. I mean, we can't, we can't be worse than we were uh, in the Bournemouth and I guess the, the tail end of the Madrid game. So all in all... I think I would say I'm I'm optimistic, kind of blind, blindly optimistic, just hopeful even, I guess. Um, what about you? Well, it's the fact you even started it when you said, surely, surely it can't get any worse. And this is the moment where <laughs> Liverpool go, hold my beer and watch this type of thing. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same. And then I'm starting to think like, hold on, maybe I am getting affected by this gap and everything seemed a bit better. And you get, you know, like you said, you get a bit bullish, don't you? Like Diaz is coming back. Yeah, Thiago, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit 
quiet. It's a bit worrying. We're not hearing any more about him. I know. Yeah, the original time frame would have him back pretty much now. Yeah. And again, it's it's like you say, it's silent on it. And we've got a bit of a track record of these silent injuries that linger and last a lot longer than we were originally told. And I'm you know starting to worry, like you said there, that this is this is the next one. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the thing about Diaz is, I mean, we were seeing him was pretty much there before the international break, weren't we? So, you know, you're expecting that he's been, you know, running, doing all his bits, that, you you know, it gives everyone a lift about Thursday when they release the training pictures and there he is doing little flicks and tricks and stuff like that. And everyone's like, yes, we're up for it now. But yeah, we kind of wanted the same with Tiago as well, just a few things even, but it's not sounding good. That- Especially with the Bajatic injury, you know, like if, yeah. if we're going to lose one of the guys who was fairly critical in the better stuff we've done in midfield in the last two months, um, not having, I think, the guy we would all accept as our best midfielder back is, yeah, I mean... A disappointment. I guess maybe the hope is that in this month, especially if Diaz is back, and we did see it in the Madrid game, is that we go with the four forwards and we start playing, you know, just the the two kind of more sitting midfielders where we, we probably still do have the personnel to do that. You know, I think even Fab and Hendo are capable of that if you're you're kind of removing a lot of the the forward running and you know they get more of a sort of covering role. Because I, I would love to see what it looks like with kind of Gakpo maybe playing a little bit deeper. You get Salah in there, Nunes and Diaz goes back on the on the left side. I would really like to see that four play in a few games. Because I've seen some stuff from Gakpo in the in the hole playing a little deeper that I think's pretty neat. I think there is like, you know, it's obviously it's not Bobby, but th- there's a kind of new version of Bobby in there, I think, potentially. And uh Nunes, you know, I think like we've touched on loads, super exciting Salah Salah, and I think I would, you know, it'd just be it'd be great to see Diaz kind of find his level again and maybe gel a bit more than we've seen. He's been a little bit kind of individually in even in yeah. the games we've seen from him. I'd love to see him kind of gel with those other three, and I think that potentially like explosive that four. I think they could properly bang if they got it right. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, and I I mean, I was was even thinking about it because it was like being positive about putting the four in. Christ, I mean, if you look at his midfield, I'm not even sure he's got any option but to do that now with, you know, Thiago being 
doubtful, let's put it that way, badge out for the season. You're looking there and you think, Christ, not only is it the best option, it's probably the only option just to whack four forwards and think, we're going to have to score three, you know, if we ship two to win a game type of thing. But yeah, Especially when you consider the, the sheer quantity of games because... You know, Hendo and Faban aren't the fittest guys yeah. at the best of time. I mean, you you don't you probably don't want to be playing them seven consecutive times. So even like your your Nabbies and your Milners, I mean, you can almost expect minutes off of them in some of those games because there simply isn't anyone else. You know, the, there is yeah. just a limit to the minutes you can put in a in a Henderson's legs at kind of at this stage in his career. Exactly that. I mean, City, Chelsea, and Arsenal three massive games probably will define the month all within eight days like you say you can't just trot out Fab and Hendo as a double pivot each game you know Milner's going to see minutes I'd actually be astonished if Naby you know I know I'm probably getting booed by some people but probably just because of necessity we'll get this at some point so I think Klopp's already kind of shown you know he's maybe a wee bit done with Naby and you know it's starting to look pretty certain he's going now and uh, like you said, I think it is just necessity, nothing else. I don't. It's simply like Milner certainly can't do the minutes required. And if you are playing the two deeper ones, that doesn't really suit Ox at all, you know. So I think yeah. I think Naby is just going to have to play some minutes. That that just is what it is. Yeah, and 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 all that. Like when I when I put it together, and I'm trying to be like positive, like you are. There is also a little bit of me thinks. Be, you know, being honest, going towards the expectation side rather than hope, it wouldn't surprise me if we get to Easter Sunday, and even even by the close of Easter Sunday, let me be honest in this and think it's gone now. You know, top four is it wouldn't surprise you in all honesty, would it? it you know, if it went that way, thinking it looks a feet and a half now. And I know people are going to say, "Oh, look at Spurs or Newcastle," but. Those first three games, City, Chelsea and Arsenal, like you said, I thought, you know, I sort of totted it up. You're looking for five wins at least, aren't you? You I know, so, from, yeah. from the month. It is feasible we could leave, you know, leave that first week after Easter Sunday without a win on the board. You know, it's, it's easily believable, isn't it? Looking at the Absolutely. teams, the away games and all that. So, hope is one thing and I'm trying not to be negative because we shouldn't be going into a month like this but yeah I'm, I'm struggling to see it which at the same time maybe it does sound a bit defeatist I've kind of made my peace with a little bit that if we are in the top four race come the end of April it's a minor miracle the thing is if we are in the top four race come the end of April there's that bit of me like you said we think five left isn't it in May I'll be like yeah and they're, they're much better fixtures too I mean yeah this is significantly harder than uh, than what well, any spell we've had this season. Really, we're, we're you know in the league, we're, you, you don't you very seldom face a face a kind of collection of fixtures in one month this difficult. It's it's mad, really. You know, excluding United, that's all of the uh, all of the big six, obviously ourselves included, coming uh, coming in one month. You just don't you don't get that that level of difficult games and three in a week as well. I mean, that's just that's asking a lot, even for yeah. even for kind of the Liverpool of, of last year and years gone by under Klopp, that would be asking a lot. Never mind this one. No doubt. No doubt at all. And Klopp said it, that, you know, this first week he's been, you know, he was honest about it after Madrid. We'll go a long way to defining our season now. There's no wiggle room. We've had a, we've had a number of false dawns, let's put it that way, this season. So it does really feel like this April is all or nothing now. So, 
we will have to see. We go in with hope probably <laughs> more than expectation, but let us just see what happens. And now for the final segment, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm not going to lie because I have a number of questions for Mark and Mark, let me be honest, does not like quick fire questions. Whenever we chat, he always likes to give context, don't you, Mark? You're I like to explain myself, Dave. I I, I always like to give context, always. So here's what we're going to do here. We're going to fire semi-quick fire round is what I'm going to call it. So I'll allow you more than a yes or no, but you're not getting away with sort of more than 10 words maximum, put it that way for context. So it is a choose choose your words wisely on this. So... To finish off, people, the big five questions for the month. Number one, Mark, do we get anything at the Etihad? Oh. Oh. What's your gut telling you? Oh. No. I also have no. I've got to be honest. That is a that is the ultimate hope over expectation game, but I have no as well. Moving on, number two, do we get anything at Anfield on Easter Sunday against the league leaders, Arsenal? Yes, yes, we do. And I will give you a quick reason for that. And it's Arsenal struggle at Anfield. You know, we've been at the last few. They, you struggle to kind of shift those little things, you know, even like United now coming to Anfield. There are certain games people just... They're fearful, you know, and I, I think this will be one for them. I don't think, I think we'll beat them, in fact. So do I. I actually think it's the one where, not Ferrari in overall season, but I think we put a bit of a, a change in the title race, shall we say. I think we win. Arteta gets his stupid speakers out like the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary in case anyone's seen it, but he's yeah, yeah. by the Anfield atmosphere. I think we win, so we'll see that one. Now, a bit off the field, matters as well number three do we hear anything more for any particular players transfer wise so in ins or outs are you are you asking there Let, let's go ins because it's in really, isn't it yeah so in the month of april will we hear of any ins essentially yeah or big rumors breaking if that's the right phrase yeah it's like concrete things um so there's there's kind of two obviously that are most prominent at the moment, which are for me Mount and Bellingham. They're the kind of yeah. two. I think if something's going to break, it would be one of those two. I don't think the Bellingham stuff will break at all until the season's over. You know, I think he's really going to assess things. So I think if we're going to hear any, we're going to hear Mount, and I will say. I th- I think we're going to sign Mason Mount. That's just my gut feeling. I I get the feeling with Chelsea's trouble with kind of the you know the finances and staying in mm. financial fair play and maybe even just his role in the team and all these different little factors. There's been rumours of kind of his dad coming to games at Anfield and bits and bobs here and there. And I, I don't know for some reason my gut is saying that we're going to get Mason Mount. And if we are. I don't really see any reason that we don't get that one done quickly. And Liverpool tend to like to get one done early. We usually get one in the bag, you know, just at the Mm. very tail end of the season. April might be a little bit early for it, but I'm just going to go out and say yes, that I think we will get something 
maybe not that he's signed, but something a little more concrete that you know we've perhaps bid or talked to, or he's keen to, or he's definitely not signing his deal at Chelsea. You know, something along that line. I think we'll get something on Mount in April. Spooky. That's pretty much what I've got. I've got Jude, nothing, because he's an ultimate professional. Dortmund are in the title race, aren't they? The lead in the, the Bundesliga, hence yeah. Bayern of and he's just gonna he's, you get the feeling that as much as he, that he's flirting with Liverpool, he's still gonna have a really hard look when the summer comes. You know, he's 100%. gonna he's gonna sit and think this isn't like a little gut feeling thing for him. You know, this is the next move in a very calculated career, you know, and it, it's not just gonna be a flippant, yeah, sure, I'm coming, here it is. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think though, like you said, nothing concrete is in there's no Fee agreed, but I just think they're just ramping up a little and I would be surprised if rumours around Mason Mount haven't intensified. Just because, like you said, you look at Chelsea, they're starting to be the talk leak out about their difficulties they're facing with financial fair play. I mean, even the the Potter stories, you know, the amount it's cost them to get Potter and his backroom staff and if they want to sack him, I mean, yeah. the talk is it's over 40 million quid, isn't it? Which are, you know, it's yeah. even and further. They've already kind of been doing these like eight-year deals to make sure yeah. that they can stay within the, the, you know, the official financial fair plays. So bumping another midfielder up, you know, another, because I think the rumours are he's only on like something like 80,000 at the moment and he's looking for something significantly better than that, you know. So it's, it's another big add to their wage bill, which... If they have any intention of summer signings or you know this and that, yeah. it, it is a difficult deal for them to do, and that's why ultimately it hasn't been done to this stage. Yeah. I agree. I think like, be like he's running DFS, it'll just be one big fire sale at Chelsea, and I just get the feeling that he will be one for obvious reasons that way as well. So nothing definite. But I agree. I had that in April. I just think the Mason Mount links will intensify now. This is getting very unusual. We've, I think we've agreed more than in any other conversation we've ever had in our lives tonight. I'm, I'm about to say there's two big things I'm going to ask you, so this will give you a chance to talk normal nonsense that you do in all honesty, because they're big <laughs> topics as well. So, the big one, investment mark. Yes or no in April? No. You, you and I, are, we, we row about this uh, kind of off the pod frequently. And, you know, you, 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 uh, you've you got like contacts here and there. You hear bits and bobs. You're always kind of up to date with, with the next kind of big rumour or maybe even not rumour, but something that's actually happening, you know, where the, where yeah. the next might be coming from, this and that. And uh, I I get just get so frustrated with all the rumours. You know, I just... I'm just so fed up with the whole, can we even afford Bellingham? You know, it's painful to think that it could ever slip away through through money when I feel like he wants us kind of thing. And yeah. I, I can't bring myself to to be as optimistic as thinking we're just going to get investment and then there's a couple of extra hundred million there to spend and we're going to get Bellingham and we're going to get Mount and then we're going to get, you know, a new six and a new centre back and and we're next season, we're as good as we ever were. Everything's hunky-dory. Perfect. Uh, I just, I can't bring myself to be that hopeful. So no is my answer there. Fair enough. I am going to go the opposite for a couple of reasons. I just think, based on the interview that Dave Powell from The Echo had with John Hendry, 
the fact that Mike Gordon has returned as well to me is significant because he kind of just appeared again, hasn't he? And he's not been much talked about as to, hold on, his responsibility is supposed to be divvied up between Klopp and Billy Hogan. Now he's just appeared. It was all talked about that it was supposed to be retirement, selling his shares, or the first bit was he was going you know, back to the US to sort the investment. He was leading that. And now he's back and no one's really saying why. So that's just my second thing. My third thing is, I'm the opposite end of the spectrum for you. Because I always look at yourself and I think, this is a man who walked out of a supermarket because a meal deal was about 50p more than he thought it was. So we've just got <laughs> a different attitude to finances that way. So I'm just thinking... That's actually a true story, that. <laughs> exactly. Just that is a true story, viewers, for anyone debates that. So literally, at the opposite end of the scale, I've got to play that. And yes, yes, there's got to be more hope than expectation, but I just get a real sneaking suspicion that by the end of April, I'm not saying there's a photo of John W. Henry with Liberty Media, you know, the Singapore GIC, the big ones that have linked, but I just think something big will break on investment either way by the end of April. So opposite opposite ends of the spectrum, let's put it that way for our views of what will happen. Happily say, I really, really hope you are right because at this stage, you know, if we are going to get the investment that I, that, you know, I think we all agree we need in this transfer window, we're going to need investment in the club. You know, we know their model. They they aren't just going to throw a few hundred million at it because we need it. That isn't the way they work. You know, they very much work within a budget they don't put it in themselves. Liverpool have to come up with it. We have to earn it or you know, sell players to create it or whatever it may be. But I think that's very much why they're looking for investment. I think they recognise that problem, you know, and they, they know for us to get back to where we need to go, this is what's required. So it, it is I mean, it couldn't be bigger with the with the summer window just two months away essentially. Um, we, we really need, you know, kind of at least to hear something concrete yeah. this month because the, the rest of that's still going to take weeks to, you know, to go through, to get it all in place, to sign it, to seal it and uh, ultimately deliver the budget we're going to need when we're going to need it. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I, I don't see how we get anywhere near to do any, anything, not just that we want to do, but what we need to do, let's be clear on that, in the summer window without serious investment and yeah. I know opening myself up here and there'll be those shouting I understand it like sucked in by FSG blah 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 idiot have you not learned anything understand all of that completely I'm not disregarding that I'm just saying sticking my neck on the line I predict we hear something come the end of April RE investment so time will tell that one and the very final one which is probably just the strangest thing that's going on at the moment, that it's quiet and then something breaks, but nothing really. Sporting director, have we appointed or announced possibly even the sporting director by the end of April, Mark? I I, I think yes on that one. I think um, there's been all kind of, you know, names have been getting thrown around, uh, various guys, lots of the kind of big ones, around the kind of clubs in Europe that are becoming kind of notorious, you know, for, for signing young special talent, you know, Leipzig's and the Monaco's of the world yeah. and all sort of clubs. And I'm pretty pro any of those guys. You know, I think that's, 
very much in line with kind of what brought the success under Edwards and subsequently Ward. Um, I would be I would be keen on any of those. I'm less keen on the kind of the go within stuff. The um, Farrows or whatever has been kind of yeah. the other name you're hearing more frequently is might come from within and get the promotion. I would be less keen on that one because that one says a little more to me that Klopp's going to be making the calls rather than the kind of the statistical analysis that maybe we've we've benefited from over the years. And ultimately, you know, as Klopp's kind of the be all and end all, you know, love the guy, couldn't barely a bad word to say about him. But if I did have a bad word to say about him, it would kind of be around transfers because I do think that more of the big hits we've had under Klopp were kind of pushed on him, if you will, rather than were his first choice. Some of the, you know, particularly famous ones like, Salah yeah. and Manny and these guys, you know, he, he wasn't, they weren't who Klopp picked, you know, they, they were very much the second options, you know, there was like Julian Brand and all these different guys that Klopp was yeah. particularly keen on, uh, even Goetz, I think, was another one he tried to bring in and ends up with with one of those guys and that there's a lot about, you know, you can say what you want about how brilliant a manager Klopp is, but without those signings, we didn't end up where we ended up, you know, getting... All, all of those big ones early on, the Salas, the Mannies, the Van Dykes, the Allisons, the Fabinho's, even the Wanyaldums, I guess you could say. I mean, they, they all hit so heavy. They all were, were so spot on. And because of our kind of financial situation, they have to be. And I think if we're going to get back there, even with Klopp, even with investment, I think we need to to kind of get that strike rate back because I think you can kind of draw a parallel between when the strike rate stopped being so successful and the kind of slower decline that we've that, that we've kind of seen and maybe you know Ox didn't quite hit Taita didn't quite hit even even the more recent ones like Diaz and Nunes have been been really good in in particular games in lots of ways but they they haven't quite been Salah and Manny, you know, they haven't quite just been, you know, deemed world class. Both those guys were like top ten in the world at, at their peak, and nobody's saying that that, that Diaz and, and and Nunes are that yet. So, I think kind of kind of got a bit off track here, but I think basically I would like to see it going back to that analytical way of thinking, and I think those guys at like Monaco and Leipzig are much more in line with that. So I would be really hopeful it's one of them. I actually don't think it will be. I do think it's going to be the promotion from within. But either way, I think we're going to hear this month. Yeah, I stupidly enough, having said all that, I actually pretty much agree with that. I do think we'll hear this month exactly like you said. I do share exactly your concerns. I would be more hopeful if it was an external guy coming in. Like you mentioned, I know Paul Mitchell's been dismissed now. He's more likely to be part of the United setup, but someone who's got that experience. And in essence, like Edwards used to do, in in a good way, and I mean this, challenge Klopp in the right way. Yes, Klopp has the ultimate say. We always known that in the transfer committee setup, but having that debate, like you said, Salah, you know, the, the transfer committee, Klopp's been honest about it. They pushed him on you know, Salah onto him, like, no, you've got to get this guy, you know, and he got swayed by them and look at the look at the results. It always takes me back as well. And it's, it's mental to think about this, it really is. But remember at one stage, 
it was a debate between, for the goalkeeper, Alison Becker, i.e. the transfer committees, you know, one they were pushing, and Jack Butland, who was yeah. at Bergs, and, you know, Jack Butland, you know, who was at Bergs and Klopp's. And I'm not going down the Dutch assistant route because that's just a minefield, so to speak. But essentially, like you said, getting back to the analytical side, it does worry me if it is Dave Fallows a little bit, not, you know, not being disrespectful, the guy's been, you know, I'm sure top at his role, but it does give you that fear that is it Klopp just pulling the strings? Is it a bit of a yes man, so to speak? And as well as a sporting director, I'd like to hear we're getting back to that structure with an external sporting director. And Mike Gordon's running it again. Forget all this, Billy Hogan's been given responsibilities. That's the suit like Ed Woodward was at United. He's got no football experience. Get the right people back in the right roles and go and get more. So will that happen? Struggling to see it. But either way, long story short, I do think we hear something sporting director-wise by the end of April. Probably the final question. Anything else you're thinking might just be there in April, my court that we've not talked about it. I mean, we've been well around the house. Well, anything else? The, the other ones, I guess, would be the, the bit we didn't do in the transfers, which is outs. We've still got a few outs that aren't confirmed completely, you know. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe get one or two of those. I think they're all pretty foregone conclusions anyway. The particularly the Ox and the Nabby ones, but. There's also the kind of lingering Milner thing. Will he get a contract yeah. or won't he? And the longer he doesn't, the more it looks like he won't, I think, because I don't think the terms would be like particularly difficult to negotiate. So the fact they aren't offering them seems like there's maybe some internal disagreement there because I think Klopp's been pretty vocal about wanting him. So the fact they haven't offered him one kind of says to me that it's another one of those, maybe like the Henderson one where they didn't think that the kind of numbers added up in the club. Klopp's kind of weighed in and maybe this time he isn't going to win. I don't know, but I, I get the feeling we're, we're getting close to hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see. I think probably to, to use that name, because in, in the strangest way, the where we are today on Monday the 27th of March, that Ornstein non-story, let's be honest, it's a non-story about... James Milner, you know, nothing that, that we didn't know was broken. But at the same time, what happens with that may well define if we have gone full sea change, you know, if, if Jurgen Klopp has stopped being too loyal. And this is, listen, this isn't to attack James Milner in any way, shape or form. You know, a legend at the club, great servant, brilliant attitude. I understand all that. But it will be interesting to see, like you said, without who might get renewed or whether it just goes quiet and they're yeah. just quiet. And it will also be interesting just from the, the kind of chat we just had before about kind of who's making the calls, who's in charge. The fact that it, that Klopp can be kind of superseded like this, you know, can be overruled that way that, um, that that he would want a guy and not be allowed to keep him kind of thing. That, that, that alone would be kind of an interesting look at the way things are being done at the moment because my kind of feel was that Klopp had never been more powerful than he is right now. When Edwards left, you know, he kind of lost the only guy that I felt was kind of shoulder to shoulder with him to a degree. Uh, Ward to a slightly lesser degree, now he's going and that would leave, you know, nobody even close to Klopp's kind of stature in the club and, and yet here we are, Klopp's asking and it seems like he might not be getting what he wants. 
Indeed, indeed. Well, ladies and gents, let's hit. We're looking at an April where big investment comes in, players are on their way, a sporting director, a well-renowned one, comes in and he's sorting out all these transfers as Liverpool head towards that fourth spot and Champions League qualification. However, here in the real world, we're expecting very little of that to happen. So we'll see what does happen with our predictions come the end of April. But as ever, Mark, an absolute pleasure to talk through everything March, a pleasure to talk through everything April. Much obliged. Likewise, enjoyed that. Cheers, Dave. Brill. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.